Welcome to the I Hate Critics Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zarrell. Hell, I can get you a tow by 3 o'clock this afternoon with nail polish. With me, as always, is professional film critic Sean Patrick. I am a golden god! And from the filmfanperspective.com, Josh Adams. Nice beaver. Visit us at IHateCritics.net. Check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, any of your podcatchers. If you could, though, please subscribe to us on iTunes and rate and review the podcast. It really helps out the show. And to be completely honest, I don't care if you ever listen to us on Stitcher or not. They're going to go away eventually. <laughs> <laughs> listen to podcasts on podcasts, and they'll all badmouth Stitcher. So, <laughs> While you're on IHateCritics.net, we have the Amazon link. It's Father's Day. Buy, some, buy your dad something on Amazon going, by going through our link or buy him some coffee through our link at the Rockin' and Roastin' link. Tell him about the Twinkie. Go ahead. Make my day. What about the Twinkie? Now, in previous episodes, we talked about movies on movies, and we had one listener, Fight Club is one of his favorite movies on movies, and have either of you figured out how Fight Club is a movie about movies? Unfortunately, I think I did. So do I. I think, I think he's talking about uh, behind the scenes at the movie theater. Me too. <laughs> or are we talking about specifically that scene where he's splicing in? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's what I think. And he gave us a little clue. Tyler did it. Yeah. <laughs> so that must be what it is. And like I said, the listeners can make their own rules. So, and you'll, as you'll see later on with our monster movies. <laughs> so. <laughs> there aren't too many movies that go behind the scenes of the movie theater. And it never turns out well, if you recall, in Glorious Bastards or Fight Club. <laughs> so. And then a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned Hulk Hogan may be the big bad guy in Expendables 4. And Jason Bryan on Twitter reached out and said, come on, I hate critics. Suburban Commando was a classic. I, <laughs> saw, <laughs> I saw it at Beachmont Twin Theaters back in the day. And if it was Expendables 4, Suburban Commando 2, <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> Greatest mashup ever. There was a Goodfellas article, sort of, that <clears throat> it's been picked up as bashing on females, and it kind of is. <laughs> and I think his intention was maybe to bash on males, but at the same time, he was celebrating Goodfellas as if it was on trial. It was just a messed up article. I don't. <laughs> yeah, and Kyle Smith. I've got a. I don't. I have a small connection to Kyle Smith. I interviewed him about his uh, his novel, uh, Love Monkey, back in uh, two thousand and two. It's a pretty. Pretty good novel, a funny, entertaining guy, and uh, he, uh, he uh, is now the film critic for the New York Post. And uh, with the New York Post, you have to come up with uh, unique headlines and stories uh, that are, you know, bold and clickbait. You know, that's what they kind of do. They're kind of like the newspaper version of BuzzFeed or something, where it's just about trying to get get people to tap the mm-hmm. tap the screen. And uh, so he wrote an article about Goodfellas, how women don't get Goodfellas. And the point of the article was, uh, the point of the article was about male bonding and how women will never, women can't understand the bond that men have, and relating that to Goodfellas. The thing of it is that he's both he's insulting women, but also unintentionally, but also he's just reducing the movie to something that it's not, which it's a masterpiece, and you've and. I mean, everybody knows Goodfellas is a masterpiece. Anybody with any kind of taste in film knows that this movie is remarkable. Regardless of how uh, a, a woman might... F- I mean, a, a woman sees it just as anybody else would because it's just that well-made. I mean, it's 96% positive on Rotten Tomatoes and there are you know, several dozen f- female film critics who reviewed it and got it just fine 
very so I don't know if it was his head I don't mean, I can't say it was his headline. I mean I don't know no. how the New York Post works. Well, uh, it wasn't just I mean it got picked up by everybody else with a different headline. True. Women can't comprehend comprehend good they totally twisted what he was saying, but <laughs> I read a I know you say this type from the Huffington Post, <laughs> but I read a article where two female so we're going back and forth about Goodfellas, and they're like, well, after I finished my mind all, I watched it. It was, it was pretty genius. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Jason Statham was nearly in Daredevil, right? Yes, he was. Marvel reached out to him, and there were negotiations uh, take place for him to play the Bullseye character. Uh, if anyone doesn't know who Bullseye is, Colin Farrell played him in the 2000. Film, uh, he's Daredevil's main nemesis, right? Still don't know who it is, get over it. (laughs) (laughs) In the comics, no, uh, what those talks broke down, and then once they did break down, he he came out and said, Well, my grandma could be in a Marvel movie, And, and I can't tell if this is Jason Statham trying to get in the news because he had a film last week, and so if he's in the news, people are looking at it, and it's just kind of that that way of promoting something. Um, but then Mark Ruffalo shot back and said, hey, my grandma could be in a Jason Statham movie. And I, I thought that was friendly without being too it's pretty too funny. Intense. <laughs> I will give Statham a pass because I get to interview a lot of people like that. And sometimes they the interviews kind of just get more casual and maybe they don't realize they're live or they're being recorded. So he could have just been making a joke to a friendly reporter who then bent him over. What? we've got here is failure to communicate. Tomorrowland is going to be a massive bomb despite making over $150 million. Classic Hollywood, isn't it? But no one cares, which is even better because of the Avengers. (laughs) (laughs) So whatever they lose on Tomorrowland, they might make up with Inside Out or later this year when Star Wars comes out. Disney can write this off just like they wrote off John Carter or any other underperforming film. My guess is this is how Tomorrowland even got made. (laughs) (laughs) We can do whatever the hell we want. We got Star Wars, Avengers. I think John Carter was... That came out in an off year for them, didn't it? It It was a bigger story. This one... I mean, Avengers already four or five times probably made up for the cost of the loss in Tomorrowland. Obviously, Star Wars is going to even do, I don't know, better than that necessarily, but it's going to make it up as well. Disney doesn't care. (laughs) But at the same time, it says you can't make something original. You have to and spend that kind of money. You have to make sure it's part of a franchise, which is kind of sad. It is sad. I I still kind of like that movie, and I wish it had done better. But they compared to the other Disney releases that we have, they didn't really promote that film as much. And maybe they saw something. Uh, maybe they didn't have a lot of faith in it afterwards. I'm not quite sure why. It could very well be that they never found the hook, the the emotional hook that they wanted to to promote it with. But uh, you know, whoever who's got another team, me. You still get that 150 million bucks. Oh, yeah. It's still um, good. I have a, I'm Doesn't not cost you anything. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Chris Hemsworth is going to be in Ghostbusters as the receptionist. <laughs> yeah, and you can already you're already building the scene in your mind, aren't you? When he first takes the job and they they see him walk in and he's got the muscles and <laughs> there and the girls are just looking him up and down and that's kind of the it's a nice reversal. Well, I'm just wondering which woman one's going to be Egon and. 
I'm like, I'm picturing Melissa McCarthy under the table fixing the computer with <laughs> him standing there flirting, and they're going to be an item. <laughs> His, he's doing this, though, already, though, right? In the vacation movie that comes out next month, he's basically playing the guy that's walking through a room and everyone's staring at him. <laughs> Other than Thor, what else can he do? <laughs> well, I haven't seen Cabin in the Woods, uh, Snow White and the Huntsman. Well, he's basically playing Thor in there. Okay. No I one saw Black Hat, so. Yeah, right. <laughs> and Cabin in the Woods is such a movie unto itself that I forgot he was in it. <laughs> like he doesn't really matter in it. Nope. You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. Christopher Lee passed away. Uh, Heavy metal superstar. Yeah. Christopher Lee. Uh, he was uh, Lord Saruman, is that right? That's uh-huh. right. The White Wizard. And uh, he, uh, yeah, he was a hell of an actor. He played Dracula for a number of years for Hammer Horror, and uh, really, really just a tremendous actor in many ways. Of course, Star Wars. That that was my first uh, real exposure because I didn't. I saw him in the Fellowship of the Ring, two thousand one. Five months later, Star Wars comes out, and, and I had no idea still who he was until Star Wars was out. And then I backtracked. Now I understand who he is. He, he's a Bond villain. He's he's so many things. He's Sir Christopher Lee. It's not just a random actor who turned 93 years old. He, he's been in all of the genre stuff, and he's one of the specific genre actors that, that you can remember for all time, I suppose. I know it's not popular to say, but I thought his, his uh, lightsaber scene versus Yoda was pretty awesome. Oh, it is awesome. That, that's what I was thinking as I walked out of the theater. That's the coolest part of the movie. I mean, even, you know, when you're, you're looking at lightsabers forever, you've got, you know, 20 years in between pictures and it kind of gets boring. All of a sudden you walk in and, and, Darth Maul's got a double-bladed saber. Count Dooku's got a curved, old-style scythe-type saber. Uh, fantastic stuff. So I- I'll always remember him as Count Dooku. And I come from the heavy metal side. That's all I know. <laughs> and they were actually out in full force with the rest in pieces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alice Cooper donated, uh, dedicated an award to him. Was- he was not kidding around. He actually enjoyed heavy metal music at 90-something years old. May the force be with you. And Pitch Perfect Three is coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if uh, you, I'm wondering if this is going to be that American Pie sequel where they introduce other people's characters, Anna Kendrick's little sister, Rebel Wilson's cousin, who's also they call her Fat Carla or something, <laughs> or, skinny, or Skinny Sarah. <laughs> It'll be, I think it'll be one more shot at the theater, you know, try to get the another almost $200 million. When it falls a little short but still is profitable, then they'll start to do these VOD spinoffs. But they'll introduce those characters so they can do the, <laughs> like they did in American Wedding or whatever. Right. <laughs> All right, let's get on to our show. We got one and a half new movies. If we give time, we'll get to the other half. <laughs> But Jurassic World came out and surprised me with how well it did. I knew it was going to be the one of the top three movies of the year or the summer, but I didn't expect it to possibly be the number one movie. I know we don't know yet, but it's it's Avengers, you know, in the ballpark. And the the, the uh, unending relationship that children have to dinosaurs. I mean, children are still fascinated by those giant beasts, uh, and that's always going to be a thing. Uh, I think, and uh, this movie definitely proves that. Uh, there's still a, a certain sense of wonder when it comes to uh, 
giant dinosaurs. And, uh, and I, you know, I watched the original this week and was reminded how, you know, amazing that was. And Jurassic World doesn't have that se- that same sense of wonder. It's got it kind of, and I'm sure it might have it for maybe very young young audiences maybe. Uh, but it's also really, really, really scary for kids that are young enough to feel that kind of wonderment. So uh, it's kind of in an odd place when it comes to tr- trying to recreate the what, what Spielberg created. It's almost a different movie in a way. I mean, the Jurassic Park was all about wonder. This was a full-on monster movie. <laughs> I mean, without question, it was a monster movie. It was... It was scary. Yeah. Uh, the uh, story kicks off with uh, the Jurassic World is, is a place. It's a it's an attraction that's in fully built. It's got dinosaurs and uh, a corporate structure. It's got scientists. And uh, the owner of the park is uh, – and the person who runs the park is now a, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, Claire. Uh, she uh, is uh, seeing that profits are kind of dipping just a little bit, even, you know, even though they're really, really successful. Because the wonder's gone. <laughs> the wonder's gone. <laughs> but they say that. And she, and so she's tasked her scientists with coming up with a new dinosaur. And so they use genetics to create a new dinosaur that they call the Indominus Rex. But somebody didn't tell anybody what they built the dinosaur out of. And what they built it out of is a, a mystery that will play out throughout the movie and plays off. I thought it paid off pretty well. Uh, and how and they, how they revealed it, uh, but basically the Indominus Rex is the most amazing, dangerous dinosaur ever, and it escapes from its inescapable cage and begins eating people. And uh, Chris Pratt is called in uh, as a kind of a Velociraptor whisperer, <laughs> and uh, he's, and it's up to him to try and save the day and uh, help Claire. And of course, her nephews are lost in the park and you know causing all kinds of chaos. Uh, and it's a it's a solid adventure, and like you said, it's a monster movie, and it's got some pretty terrific monsters. And uh, I mean, the, we all saw it. Every kids leave, leaving the theater because it's too it was too scary for them because parents thought, well, we can bring our kids to Jurassic, you know. And, and this is a movie that is much scarier than the original. Mm-hmm. You know, I I understand the spectacle of this film, and I appreciate its spectacle. I appreciate the monsters. I like all of that stuff. I, I like that they invented a new dinosaur. That's kind of cool. They've even taken it to the water now, and they've given some of these uh, pterodons and pterodactyls actual roles in the film as opposed to just noting that they're there. But at the same time, I, I got bored with the rest of it, the nostalgia of it. Uh, I think I even tried to come up with a new term that when we talk about somebody yanking tears out of your eyes and, and it being so maudlin, this called so much back on our nostalgia for the first film that I felt like they were grabbing the nostalgia out of me and to the point where they even visit the original ending to the first film. There's cues of music from the first film, which are fine. Um, but everything else that happens is the exact same. It, the problem is none of these people learn anything and I still don't understand how they get to this point. We have three films where people are dying left and right. Uh, I hate to be a clerk from Clerks and ask about the insurance involved in all of this, but it's a legitimate question for me. How does how do you arrive at a billion, multi-billion dollar facility like this? 
after the events of these first films. On top of that, how does the original structure still stand? How is the freaking banner still there? I so mean, you must seriously. have hated the fact that they started the car from 1992. <laughs> I didn't understand why it was there. I, and how does a 16-year-old kid, you know, that apparently is blasé about most things, well, know how to start all of that, it? He did, he did say that he and his dad had rebuilt an, yes. an engine the summer before. <laughs> and then you followed up with, I can't drive. <laughs> Here's my... Everything you're saying is completely true, but I don't care. Yes. <laughs> it, it's it was so much fun that I did and I felt like you said they're pulling the nostalgia out of you. I feel like they were trying to take it away. Like it was trying to say, look, it was here, but this is different. And that's where they made a different movie. I mean, it that follows the same pattern, but it's a lot it's more of a horror movie, monster movie than it was this neat little adventure the first one was and i like that angle the action and the horror angle what i don't like is the continued reliance on 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 cookie cutter characters vincent d'onofrio is playing the bad guy surprise i mean it's the same thing over and over again these characters just like the the corporations in every other monster movie alien and aliens comes to mind they just want to weaponize but these things still, but, never trust anybody going after a military contract <laughs> exactly <laughs> and because of that i i feel it's a it's it's not a wholly lazy film because you can tell that Colin Trevorrow cares about this material deeply. And putting all of that stuff in there means that he cares about it. But there, there isn't enough new for me to validate the fact that this exists. If you want to have a, a unique angle on it, a character that thinks differently than than other characters in the socket, that's fine. Otherwise, I, I don't get it. I almost needed a Jeff Goldblum type of character, the one that's that's cutting this action and saying, oh, did you really need to? I mean, Chris Pratt, it, it, his character, Owen Grady, at, at some point says, should you have done that? But that, that's where it stops. I mean, nobody has to really take responsibility for this because you know that they're just going to do it again. Jeff, Jeff Goldblum is my favorite character in all of the history of, of Jurassic Park. I mean, this, those moments are just so amazing. I, I hate always being right. <laughs> such a great line. Yeah. I, the reason I, I feel like they went different with kind of the genre, and that's where the difference lies between this and the original. Everything, yes, it's cookie cutter. It's funny. I... I, I like the guy from was it New Girl or whatever? Jake Jake. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing he said would is real life things. <laughs> and the whole ending scene that he has with the uh, what's that actress's name? It's just hilarious. <laughs> but I, I don't know. To me, it's the best monster movie of the year easily. Which I don't know if there are any others. But, <laughs> and it's the second best action movie of the year, and behind Mad Max, as far as I'm concerned. So I, but I can't disagree. I can't. Everything you're saying is true. I just don't care. It, you, please go first. I, I have to address something because I wrote about this on, on IHateCritics.net and people can take a look at it. And that is that this film has been accused of uh, sexism and being anti-feminist. And I got to say that I don't really believe that it is. And that a lot of people are pointing to the character of Claire as be, because she's wearing a dress and heels and she's out and you know dealing with dinosaurs and running through the jungle. Somehow they say that that is anti-feminist, and the fact that she doesn't like children, or or that uh, she, or, or sh should she like children, or shouldn't she like children? Which characteristic is the feminist characteristic? Wanting to be a mother or not wanting to be a mother? I can't figure out because she's getting attacked both ways in in various different media for not liking children, for not being maternal. She's clearly not you know a, a woman, but then if she is maternal, that she's giving up her ambition to be 
I mean, it's it's a whole thing where she can't win no matter what she does. But the fact is, the fact of the matter is, she's not a sexist character. She's just a character. She's just a character with this very specific character arc. She begins one way as this ambitious executive willing to do anything to continue to make more and more money uh, to the point where she you know, disregards the dinosaur's safety and, and, she, and her ambition is hurtful to the people she loves, her nephews. And over the course of the film, she learns that this way of life that she's been going about, this uh, kind of overly ambitious dedication to money is not the way to be. And she learns a valuable lesson. In the end, she comes out the other side, a better person. That's a character arc. That is not a symbol of all women in movies. That's just an arc of a very specific character. Yeah, It's not saying that women who go into the workforce and want to be successful are inherently bad. No. and it, <laughs> Her character was bad. Her character had the wrong... You know, it's a specific character. It reminded me of the argument about chasing Amy, and that where people tried to say that that's a that 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 she was somehow somehow a symbol of uh, of uh, of gay people who aren't really gay or something like that. And that, that was not what she was. She was a very specific character with a very specific psychological backstory that led her to being where she was, wanting to be with women, but also having had feelings for this man. This movie is about a very specific character whose ambition drives her to be who she is. Uh, yes, she was wearing, she, she was at a business meeting that day, so she wore heels to work and, and a cream-colored skirt. I mean, that's just the, that's what she wore to a business meeting. She met with the Verizon Wireless people, remember? And they were going to sponsor to the dinosaur. So (laughs) she had a meeting that day. So yes, she dressed in corporate dress and no, when they went out into the field, she didn't bother to change her clothes. She didn't have time. Yeah, there was, there was a dinosaur no killing people. He there had was no time, time to... for her to switch to to you know your whatever mo- clothes that you're supposed to wear in that situation. He did have time to get his motorcycle though. <laughs> <laughs> there was an angle on on this that I had too in the film. I think is very demonstrative in this, in that we don't have the same kind of awe as we had in the first film. The 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 older brother character is looking at his phone as the T-Rex is eating the goat. <laughs> in the first film, that was a historical moment in cinema, right? And I, I wondered if it was just my mind not having experienced 22 years of, of cinema since then that didn't allow me to enjoy this as much. And I kept thinking to myself, well, you know, the same things that are a problem with this one are the problems with the first film, and that it's not quite wry enough in, in uh, knowing in its science to actually drive home what I'm asking from the film. And and I understand that as a blockbuster, you can't really be as smart of a film as you may want to be. But remembering the Michael Crichton book, and it is a smart uh, foretelling. Nobody learns from Michael Crichton book either. I mean, it just continues to perpetuate itself. But I appreciated the film's uh, attempt to comment on where we are today as well, and not being able to understand the awe of the fact that you're looking at dinosaurs. They were trying to make several comments. I'm pretty sure there was a GMO underlying thing too that <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't really care about, and I didn't care what anything was saying. I just had fun. I the only way to really enjoy this movie is to to sit here and watch it for what it is, and that's a monster movie. Nothing more, nothing less. That's the only way to really enjoy this movie. And it does a pretty good job of getting you there. It's not going to get everybody as only 67% of us got there. But <laughs> but it will get most of us. I, I loved the, the product placement in this movie. <laughs> There's a lot of it, too. The, the car stuff. Was it Hyundai? Oh, my God. I love the way. It was like a commercial. 
And right, it was like almost immediately after the making fun of the Verizon, wireless, <laughs> you know, naming the dinosaur what I don't know what they're going to call it Verizon Wireless. Verizon Rex presents the Indominus Rex, I believe it was. But then the, what's his name from New Girl <laughs> started naming dinosaurs <laughs> after <laughs> companies. <laughs> I don't know. I just love the way they zoomed in on that car and it just it drove and kind of went around and it was just so stupid but fun. I want one of those uh, little, those indestructible bubbles. The thing, the gyro Yes, I want one of those. That was pretty neat. <laughs> <laughs> Any other thoughts on Jurassic World? Where do you rank it, Sean? As in terms of action movies this summer, it's a good movie. Uh, I would, I'd say, I, I enjoyed Fast uh, Fury Seven more, and Avengers more, uh, and Mad Max more. But it's a good movie. Yeah, I, got- I, I think I think I'm held back by the fact that I watched the original and, and was kind of blown away by it again, and that that kind of put this one in a different context it was yeah. at a disadvantage going in yeah i i hold this above avengers i haven't seen fear seven but <laughs> i'm just not into car movies so that's not fair and something tells me too i i saw this in 3d i don't know if either of you did i did okay it didn't seem to matter no and I felt let down by that fact. If you have a monster slash dinosaur film, 3D should be the one venue in which you're going to actually experience something a little more. I'm not saying that a dinosaur head should come at you in the crowd, but something, you know, it, it felt lacking. I liked it because I didn't notice it. And normally, on the, like, Avengers look like shit in 3D, just horrible. And this one. I don't know. It just—I didn't notice anything. It was just—it just kind of flowed really good, and I—I I was happy with that. But I get what you're saying. But I like the fact that I couldn't tell. You know, we haven't mentioned is Chris Pratt. Anybody have any thoughts on Chris Pratt playing? Uh, my commentary is that he was playing a cookie cutter character that most people could play, and I didn't necessarily sense the Chris Pratt charisma from other roles that people know him for. If we hadn't had Guardians of the Galaxy yet or well name anything parks and recreation or whatever people know him for and he just played owen grady would anyone say wow chris pratt's a big star now i don't think so i wonder if uh, the if his uh, act if what he did in guardians of the galaxy kind of forced him to be different in this film and try and find a different note to play because he didn't really find one to play in this one he did he doesn't want to be too offhand but he uh uh, it doesn't really have anything else to play. Yeah, I, it reminds me of Vince Vaughn's role from The Lost World, and it was supposed to propel him into stardom. That didn't propel him into stardom. His, his comedy roles did that. And so I, I feel much the same way about this. Well, I've, I kind of got a Ryan Reynolds vibe. A uh, little bit. A little bit. The only reason I don't get that is because he's already been propelled into stardom because of Guardians. This is a huge movie. He's going to just kind of, I think he's going to, this is bigger than Lost World was. It's, bigger than Jurassic Park at this point. So I I, I don't think it's going to hurt him. And I, no, no, not going to hurt him at all. And to be honest, I think if he was in Tomorrowland and George Clooney wasn't, <laughs> that might have made its money back. Uh, What else from Jurassic World? Anything? No, I've got pretty much nothing on that. Yeah, keep going to see it because it's on my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> I saw a movie on iTunes, sort of, like 98% of a movie on iTunes before it expired on me, <laughs> called Maggie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's a zombie movie. Uh, was it Abigail Breslin? I believe mm-hmm. it's a girl in it. It is 
I told the guys before the podcast it was the, it, probably one of the best zombie movies I've ever seen, but it's kind of boring. And they're like, well, explain that one. One, you said it was good. Two, you said a zombie movie and an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie was boring. <laughs> it is about a dad dealing with his daughter turning into a zombie. And he literally is just sitting with her at home, you know, and it's sad. You know, you just feel bad for the guy. It's her, and she's, it takes a long time for you to turn in this movie. And it's, it's just a really sad movie about her dealing with turning. She's going to die. She knows she's going to die. He's going to have to kill her or send her to quarantine, which quarantine is horrible because the zombies just destroy each other. And they're not fully zombies yet. And it just it's a horrible, depressing thing. And it if zombies were real, or if we ever got to this apocalypse that we always see in the movies. This is a more realistic version of it where you're going to go to work and have to shoot a zombie, but you can still work that day and the world's not going to end and we're not going to all be without power and electricity. And (laughs) (laughs) it's a more realistic version of a zombie movie. And it's, I don't know. It's just, it's a sad, but it's good, but it's nowhere in a million years would it make millions and millions of dollars in a theater. You know, what's fascinating to me, to me about about all zombie films in general is there are relationships when people are alive and then you are able to move past when somebody passes away and and there there's a different plane of relationship there and when someone would be a zombie you cannot fully move on and and it would create an emotional state i suppose in in which we just aren't able to encounter and that's what I grab onto with zombie films. And I'm, I'm assuming that this is the one that does it the best because it's got just two main characters. Yeah. I think 20 years ago, this would have been a blockbuster because Schwarzenegger was a star 20 years ago. It would have been in theaters. Yes. Well, yeah, it doesn't would have been in theaters, but it would have probably bombed. <laughs> <laughs> they might have had a decent weekend, but then people would have not gone back because a lot of the diehard zombie fans, which they weren't really around 20 years ago, because zombies were at a lull at one point, not too long ago. But it it's just not it's not an action movie by any means. And you know this what you talk about in other zombie movies happens in almost all of them, but it's really brief. You know, someone's hiding their kid being bit, or they're hiding their girlfriend being bit, and then someone has to put them down, and it's. A two-minute scene that gets across the cool more. This whole movie is that two-minute scene, and it's it's a good movie. It's not great. It's it's but it's fine. It's weird having a father with a really bad accent and a daughter with a perfectly normal <laughs> accent. But it, I'd recommend it, especially when it comes to Netflix or on DVD or Blu-ray, where it's a little cheaper than iTunes. But and they don't cut it off after 24 hours yeah we started the movie late on a thursday night and then picked it up again on a friday night almost like 22 hours later and as it was ending it cut off on me so i don't completely know how it ended but i have a pretty good idea i get a weird question about zombie movies if if you were to die by being shot in the head would you still be a zombie later because you have to shoot a zombie in the head to kill him right Depends on the zombie movie. <laughs> We're not sure of the rules. Well, that's the thing with, you know, they, you know, you set the rules early on and then you change them to make, to make your zombie movie different than Night of the Living Dead or whatever. And <laughs> now there's so many zombie movies that there's so many different rules that I don't even. What I understood from The Walking Dead, and this is trying a legitimate explanation here. <laughs> Is it, the reason why you shoot them in the head is uh, because the only part of the body that functions is 
a specific section of the central brain that, it, that controls your um, motor function and primal needs such as hunger, thirst, etc. Uh, I would assume that that would be procreation as well, but we don't ever see anything like that on screen. That would be weird. But that's part of the same. Oh, I'm group. Zombies Have you seen zombie strippers? <laughs> can't say that no, I have. I have. <laughs> okay. I stand corrected. Okay. But I would assume that that's why you shoot him in the head. Uh, my confusion has always been, well, it's a big head. There's only one section of it that, that deals with that. If you shoot him in the head and it's the wrong spot, then they're still going to walk around with a hole in their head. <laughs> <laughs> we sp- we've already spent way too much time talking about it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event for the linear, legitimate, and universally recognized, undisputed classic. We're going to talk about monster movies. Uh, We looked at two King Kongs, sort of, (laughs) and the original Jurassic Park. Let's start with Jurassic Park. Yeah, okay. Jurassic Park, I watched it, you know, I watched it when it came out uh, over 20 years ago, and, you know, I remember being sufficiently blown away by it then, uh, and, but I, I, it's, it's not an experience that I recall, you know, having that that uh, sense of wonder watching it. I was a little bit older than, uh, you know, a lot, some of the people. I was an older teenager, I think, at the time, and uh, so I wasn't as blown away by it as, like, a younger, like, 12, 13, 14 year old kid who was looking at it, you know, with their eyes wide and whatnot. But I watched it again this week and I found myself actually on the edge of my seat, which is weird for a movie when you've seen it before. You know, you know what's going to happen and, and you know these characters. So, you know, obviously children in movies don't die. You know that. Everybody knows that. Main characters in movies don't die. You know that. But I still found myself excited and, and, compelled by, you know, when they're hanging off the, the side of the cliff and the car goes flying over their head and the kid's still in the car and he's hanging up in the tree and the, the, the T-Rex is looking around trying to find him. I, I was really excited by that scene. And having seen it before, I still was moved by it. That's, that's the mark of a really, really great movie that it can still make you feel that and it can still get you into that feeling. And uh, that's what I take away from Jurassic Park is stuff like that. Uh, the, the, the sense of wonder is, is there as an adult now. I feel that a little bit more watching it now than I did even when I was younger. Uh, the Steven Spielberg's direction is just absolutely masterful, and I don't think he gets enough credit for, for how brilliant this movie is and how seamless he makes it seem, especially for, for given the time that it was made. Uh, it, it looks as, I think this one looks almost as good as Jurassic World does. And we're talking twenty years difference. And there's nothing wrong with Jurassic World. That's just how good this looked. Yeah, ninety two or ninety three or four, whatever it came out. The the brontosaurus scene where they're uh, where where Grant and the kids are hiding out in the tree. That brontosaurus looks amazing. Then the kids, the reaction to it is fantastic. Uh, kid actors aren't generally reliable and you know, giving you the best possible performance. But I thought those t- kids were really really good in that, especially in that scene. Uh, and I've I. Even there's that iconic water scene in the car when the just you see those just those ripples of water, classically Spielberg, and just it just works because you all you see is the ripple and then you start hearing that rumble in the background and you're like, and you feel it, you still feel it today. And in the movie theater, obviously you felt it because you they had big booming speakers. But even on my you know HD TV, I'm still feeling that that feeling that's. That excitement as uh, what what's that? <laughs> My three year old felt it because I was stomping on the ground behind him. 
4D. <laughs> I liked it better this time than I've ever liked it. I, I don't know why. It Part of it was because I read the book and I was one of those, why didn't they do it like Michael Crichton did it? Blah, blah. But uh, it's become one of my favorite. This and Jaws are two of my favorite Spielberg movies. And I've never been a big Spielberg fan. Not for any good reason, because obviously everybody else likes him, but you're right. He deserves way more. He doesn't get as much credit with this when he should. You know, there's so he, but he's made so many great movies that that's probably why. But my God, I'd put this above some of his Oscar winning movies. Absolutely. In terms of technical ability, at least. I, I do remember my first experience with this being scared as a 14 year old. And, and, Mainly because he sets up the moments in this film so well. There, there are boo moments, but it's not like a ghost. That that's a thing. And in, in those those character, the, the dinosaurs are so well rendered that when the raptor jumps out at Laura Dern towards the end, the, oh my god! I mean, I leapt in my seat as a fourteen year old, and, and I was embarrassed for it because my younger brother was fine, you know, but. Uh, I I remember feeling that awe and in, in saying, you know what, this is really worth the hype. Uh, everyone was talking about it at that time. I didn't see it opening night. It took me a week or two to get to it. Once I did, I'm like, this really is good. Oh, my gosh. Watching it as an adult, and I saw it when it was re-released in the theater a couple of years ago in, in 3D. I, I feel much the same now as I did then in terms of... Uh, and I think it's just the way that they set the film up. It's not so much that's the first time I'm seeing a dinosaur on screen. It's just a, a, a feeling that it invokes. Be- when when they drive up and they see the, the planes full of dinosaurs and they turn Laura Dern's head to look at it, that's a that's a great moment. They are experiencing what, what we're experiencing. And that's it's a great job by Spielberg in crafting how we experience as well as the characters experience. And, and Jeff Goldblum's character, Ian Malcolm, is a is a great science fiction character. He's he's not just there to comment on what's going on, but that's exactly what he does, and he does it so well. Yeah, that that's right. Hey, anything that can happen will happen. Life will find a way. Nobody learned <laughs> clearly. <laughs> But and the thing is, he's such a jerk, but he's actually right. He's yes. right all along. It's like Walter in the Big Lebowski. Such a jerk, but he was right the whole time. And he's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Sam Neill, who just doesn't make bad movies. So until recently, <laughs> I will. I'm, he made uh, Event Horizon. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna yeah. say let me a movie I like that Sean, Josh hates. So <laughs> but no, I Sam I think makes a lot of good movies. I took my daughter to see this when it got re-released, and I forgot how scary it was. <laughs> and then I watched it with my son, who we watched King Kong together, and who he would not shut up during King Kong. <laughs> we'll get to that later. But during Jurassic Park, he was constantly putting his covers over his head. So finally, at one point, I kind of crawled down next to him. When he covered himself up, when he went back down, I just jumped. <laughs> I probably could have killed him. Out of fear. Has he stopped crying yet? <laughs> he just punched me. <laughs> he was pretty relieved it was just me. But it, yeah, I don't. Maybe it, that was what made it more fun for me this time was having my kids there to. Because my daughter kind of forgot about it. Because what was it, two years ago that it was mm-hmm. released? So I, I, I don't know. I just. It was so much fun. And unlike. To me, it boosted Jurassic World. It, it just kind of went hand in hand to me. They're two different movies due to the monster elements more s- strong in Jurassic World. But they just kind of... I, I thought they... 
I forgot about Lost World and Jurassic Park 3. As if these were just two movies, back-to-back sequels. And I, I just kind of felt like they flowed together really well. And it made Jurassic World better for me. <laughs> <laughs> King Kong. Uh, yeah, King Kong, 1933. Uh, and this is a... A movie that's you know iconic for being uh, one of the first like really great special effects movies, and the special effects in this movie, given the fact that it's 1933, are extraordinary. And it really is the the, the dinosaurs that they created in 1933 are amazing to look at. Like because because you can't imagine how they even possibly did it and integrated these you know actors into it and the, the, the whatever I don't know even know what the technology was was a green they didn't have green screen what did they have I would imagine it's a matte painting of some sort that they all just <laughs> walked by <laughs> it was freaking brilliant and, mm-hmm. and uh the and but the thing of it is is that even as amazing as those special effects are I was actually moved by the performances I actually got into the performances the director and uh, looking for this actress and she finds Faye Ray and she's beautiful and nobody can see it and she's and he puts her on the boat and he takes her and then King Kong falls in love with her and then they chase through the, de- the through the jungle and fantastic stuff and then they get back to New York and it, I mean it's still good I was I was really compelled by it I was surprised I thought I thought maybe that the acting wouldn't be would be wooden or kind of forgettable but uh, the acting in in the original King Kong is fantastic Faye Ray is fantastic and her love interest in the movie I, I was really compelled by him I uh, I was really surprised just how great he was and but this movie surprised me beginning to end at how really really fantastic it is even far better than than its reputation which again its reputation I thought was just as a as just kind of a, a notable monster movie but it's much more than that yeah I'm sorry uh, the the production design of this film is really amazing when you think about it what they had to work with and what they actually were able to put on screen a lot of what you see seems to be their tangible props and I don't know how they were able to do that in in 19 despite a budget of, of whatever you have there seems to be certain limitations that the huge gate in which they in the the natives keep Kong out of their living space that is Huge, and I didn't get the the idea that for a moment that was a miniature version. I, I feel that that was a real thing that they did, and and if you imagine yourself in 1933 watching this film, this has to have been to them their Jurassic Park. Well, speaking of Jurassic Park, that gate is a clear homage yes. to King Kong. <laughs> they no even question. Malcolm <laughs> mentions it. But, <laughs> but continue. Yeah, I just I loved this film. It's I appreciate everything when you go back and watch originals and and you put yourself in the frame of mind of somebody then and what they're able to accomplish, and then it still seems to be okay 70, 80 years later. I feel that's an incredible accomplishment. Now, clearly someone's in a Kong suit. That's that's fine. But what they're able to do and, and film it with uh, his arms coming through windows and and setting uh, and Darrow up on things that doesn't look nearly as Godzilla as I imagined it would. That That's the only way that I can put it, because they're using stop motion animation clearly. But there's never a point where I say the actors have to stop just to allow something to go by on screen. It's it's rather seamless considering it's 82 years old. I, I, I'm, I've fallen in love with this simply because I, I, I had an idea that it was simply one of the cheesy old 
um, universal horror movies like uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon or even Dracula for that matter. No, this is this is a film first that happens to have a monster in it, and I appreciate that. Yeah, this is like this is like Spielberg of 1933. Yes. It's really it really is. What did you think of uh, Peter Jackson's remake? I didn't I didn't like it as much as this. And now what I appreciate about it is you have to do that, right? You have to see what you can do with the technology of today and, and take that story and build it up. And it's basically, I see a lot of the, the same elements in the original in Peter Jackson, the Carl Denham character, the uh, Ann Darrow character, clearly they're, they're still there. But then again, as good as the special effects are in that film, it still feels choreographed a little bit, a little rote. There's something charming about the fact that the original had to really get creative in reading about it. They, they had to create technology just to make this kind of stuff happen. And if I appreciate star Wars in any way, I have to appreciate what they created just to make their vision become a reality in King Kong, the, the 2005, six version, they can pretty much render all of that. And yeah. that doesn't mean they did a poor job at it. That just means that I appreciate it less. Yeah, I'm with you. But I, I, I still think it, because of how good it is, it, it lends itself to be updated and remade. And it seems to be okay to do that with a movie like this as opposed to, like, if you remake The Godfather, you're just an idiot. But this <laughs> one seems to make sense. And, you know, even the other monster movies, it makes sense to kind of keep doing updated versions of these for the next generations. Yeah. Because it's such a timeless story, you know. I watched the uh, I watched half of this and then my the DVD just stopped working. <clears throat> my son King Kong was hardly even in it yet. He w- he watched it with me without being bored at all, <laughs> and that kind of st- stays the performances I think that Sean was talking about. But then we went ahead and watched the '76 version with Jeff Bridges and uh, Jessica Lange, and I, I had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> it was a, it was entertaining, and he. He loved it. He just would not stop talking throughout the whole thing and trying to explain to me what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have audio of him yelling at me. See, I told you the gorilla could climb a building. I'm like, it's not a gorilla. It's King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> so how is it? how does King Kong look in 76? It looks like it's a guy in a suit again. But, it, I mean, it's... Again, it's not nearly as creative as it was in the 30s, but it's more creative than it was in 2005. I, I, it, I was never distracted by the way it looked. It, it, I, Jeff Bridges pretty much played Chris Pratt, in, or Chris Pratt played Jeff Bridges, however you want to look at it, and he looks like the dude. He's got the long hair and the little facial hair, but he's younger. It. It looked good. I enjoyed it. Have you guys seen it? No, no. It always seems to be something that I remember as being not well received back in 76. It may not have been, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you're remaking a classic. But it it was, I enjoyed it. I'd never seen it before. I, and I'd seen the one from the 30s multiple times as a kid. But I, I it was fun for me. <laughs> my, my sister loves the 76 version, but she's got a huge crush on Jeff Bridges. So. Uh, is it the same story? Uh, the oh, yeah. director looking I, for an well, actress and no, takes her to the uh, island. No, there. It's he's media, so she kind of they sneak on the boat somehow. Oh, okay, 
but other, after that, it becomes the same story. Then she becomes, you know, they take her to New York and. Yeah, this is this is an interesting tie back to last week because this is a, a movie about the movies. Yes, it is. <laughs> Man, I never thought of that. <laughs> what do you think of Carl Carl Denham as a, as a film director, and uh, you know, he, it takes you look takes a close look at how he does what he does, and he made he made real life monster movies. It was his character? He would go into the jungles and find the most uh, amazing animals and kind of film around them and and use real people as his actors and. Uh, this was the first time, of course, he used a, a woman in one of his movies. Yeah, there's some, the, the 1933 version here, the characters, too, seem quite displaced by the fact that there's a gargantuan gorilla or, or whomever you want to say, as well as dinosaurs. They seem to be genuinely upset by this fact. <laughs> I do remember in the 2005 version wondering, seriously, there's a freaking T-Rex. Somebody say that there's a T-Rex. <laughs> Somebody ask why there's a dinosaur here. Nobody does, and that disappointed me. <laughs> there, there are no dinosaurs in the 76 version, and I think uh. they're going to the island for oil. Okay, and so that's kind of the big. But after that, it just kind of the same story. But see, I, I, the 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 movie's not the same for me without a without that T Rex versus King Kong matchup. That 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 fight scene in the thirty three movie is Ooh. just awesome. It's awesome, and he pulls his freaking head apart. Yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. I didn't expect that. <laughs> not at all. You can even see the blood in black and white. I was like, wow, that's good. this is so detailed. Is there a tribe living there? Yeah. Okay. There's a big snakes fight scene with guys, yes. uh, King Kong in the 76 version. Same as the, the original. You know, there's they're in development at Universal right now. There's a film called Skull Island, and it seems to me that it's going to be a sequel to the 2005 version, and Peter Jackson is not going to direct this. I'm not sure who is, but it's in development, and I'm just kind of wondering, where do you go? <laughs> and Kong is dead, so I, I, you can't call it King Kong. And yeah, but who else is on this island? Queen Kong, right? <laughs> Queen Kong. <laughs> I like it. There's a real movie called Queen Kong out there. Donkey. <laughs> that's pixels ah. <laughs> we asked our listeners for their top five monster movie lists and I'll, here's what some of them said uh, Jeff has been on the podcast before he said King Kong 76 Jurassic Park The Blob Jaws and Showgirls <laughs> <laughs> that's funny <laughs> and I, I other than Showgirls I, <laughs> I can't really argue with this list Jason from New Mexico had Tremors, Them, Piranha, The Mist, Lake Placid. He says, it's not really my top five, but those would be good considerations, I guess. Lake Placid is a piece of shit. <laughs> Isn't that the Killer Hippo movie or Killer Crocodile <laughs> or crocodile. something? Okay. It's a crocodile controlled by Betty White. <laughs> Wait, are you serious? <laughs> yes, I'm serious. Wow. Sometimes he likes to have fun with us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She's feeding the crocodile, and she she sends it to kill people. I think The Mist is one of the better monster movies I've ever seen. It, the I like much better in black and white than I do in color, but it's good both ways. Uh, Lindsay said, Legend, Monsters, Inc., The Monster Squad, Willow, and Little Monsters. I seems like someone just making up their own rules. <laughs> she misunderstood. It doesn't have to have monsters in the title. <laughs> a monster with Charlie's throne. Legend is an inspired choice, though, because that's Tim Curry's monster in that film is one of the more iconic 
uh, bad guys of the past 30 years. It's not a very good film, but he's that the horns are intimidating. It's what I after I saw that film, I, I thought of the devil in that fashion. Yeah. And then Fred Rowe had Aliens, The Thing, Gremlins, Pacific Rim, and would Starship Troopers count? Well, you guys can make up your own rules. So <laughs> Giant spiders, right? Yeah. Bugs of some sort. Wild Wild West. Now that, <laughs> Starship Troopers, piece of shit. <laughs> All-time piece of shit for me. But funny, though. Funny, f- unintentionally funny. Unintentionally, unintentionally funny. <laughs> unintentionally hysterical. Oh, if you get Casper Van Dien and Denise Richards in a scene together, hilarity ensues. If you get the chance to see the riff track Starship Troopers, it's phenomenal. <laughs> All right, anybody seen in the 85 movies? Yes, I, I saw two of them. I've seen two of them, but not recently. <laughs> Remind me, which ones are we talking about here? Preetzi's Honor and uh, Daryl are the two movies that I saw. And I've seen Secret Admirer before, but ah, it's fantastic. been a while. I don't remember it. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the reason I saw Preetzi's Honor is because it's Jack Nicholson, and I should. Plus, Angelica Houston won a Best Supporting Actress Oscar for her role, and it it's a John Houston film, so it's a, a father directing a daughter. That angle was interesting, um, but it's Jack Nicholson doing his best uh, impression of an Italian mobster. Now, Jack Nicholson and accents they don't always happen, and in this case, it's not the best. I, I could never get into him trying to be an Italian mobster. Uh, he, he's a hitman. Kathleen Turner is a hit woman, and they fall in love. And in the midst of this, they attempt to take down a family. Um, William Hickey, the character actor, if any of you remember him, the, in Christmas Vacation, he's the one that burns up the tree and it's got a stogie. He's the Don of this family. So I, I, I'm, st- I'm not getting into it because I just know who all these characters are, and I'm already placing what I know of them on these roles. It's it's a fine film, well acted and everything like that, but I kind of found myself bored, and it definitely isn't something that I think is remembered over time, uh, only if someone is looking up Angelica Houston and, and wondering if she's ever won an Oscar. The other one that I watched, and I've seen it a number of times over the years, is Daryl, and that's D period, A period, etc. It's, because it's a data, data analyzing robot youth life form. <laughs> Yeah, of course Darryl. you've seen this. <laughs> of course I have. Well, Barrett Oliver plays Daryl, and this is the Barrett Oliver from The NeverEnding Story. So as soon as I saw him, of course, I'm like, that's The NeverEnding Story, kid. And I watched this a lot as a kid. It does not hold up in the least. <laughs> if you see any, no, literally any artificial intelligence movie after this, it does a better job. Uh, it It's very, very maudlin. It should have been a TV movie. It, it, because it isn't interested in science, it's interested in I want to be a real live boy, th- that angle. And oh, it, there's a Teddy Pendergrass song that plays during the end credits, if that hooks you. It, it, I, I've got nothing else to say other than I watched it a lot as a kid. It doesn't hold up as an adult. And at some point, he, he's a kid and he's flying a fighter jet, a stealth bomber, a stealth bomber at the end. Yeah, I don't remember Secret Admirer. And was this. Look, see who was in this. <laughs> You're trying to figure out if you have the right secret admirer. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Lori Laughlin from Full House. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> I knew I'd seen this. Isn't C. Thomas Howell in this too? Yep. Kelly Preston as well. So it, it's. 
I don't know. It's she I don't was remember. Big in '85. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. I should have watched this one again. But I was too busy watching monster movies. <laughs> Maybe when Fuller House comes back on, I'll go back and watch this. <laughs> You'll have a Lori Loughlin marathon. <laughs> Find all our lifetime movies. <laughs> I'm sure she has some of those. All right, let's move on to our trailers, and we'll start with The Martian. What a fantastic trailer. I was really compelled by this. Matt Damon is a uh, astronaut. Uh, they're on Mars. They've already been there, and then something happens, and he gets left behind, and they have to go back and try and save him, maybe, if they can. I, I really loved this trailer. I, I thought it was really fantastic. I liked Matt Damon, uh, this character, as he's established here, and uh, I, I was really compelled by it. I can't wait to see this movie. Then Fox even moved it up a month into October, where the uh, Gravity slot is, and go, both Gone Girl and Gravity have performed well on this weekend, and I expect this too as well. I'm very happy that Ridley Scott's directing this because everybody else in it seems to be good, and I can't imagine him screwing it up. Does that make sense? <laughs> I mean, I'm so down on him right now after Exodus and the in the Counselor not being very good that I want him to have a hit. Might I say, though, that everybody in the Counselor is pretty good, generally. <laughs> <laughs> Our discussion was that it was, he just allowed Cormac McCarthy to kind of do what he needed to do, but... I, I kept waiting for Matthew McConaughey to come on and show up and make this. Uh, <laughs> so I couldn't watch it for what it was. It's funny that you say that. Uh, the person I watched the trailer with, she said, I, first I thought that was an Interstellar sequel. I'm like, no, Prequel. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did, uh, by the way, did you see what Jimmy Kimmel did to Matt Damon? <laughs> he had a great line. First, he, he made the whole trailer about... He made a small trailer making fun of it, but he had a great line where he said, "Oh sure, when Ben Affleck goes to goes to space, he bl- he blows up a he blows up an asteroid and saves the world." Matt Damon goes there, they forget he's even there. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's funny. Hunger Games: Mockingjay Part Two. Oh wow, Josh, you're so excited about this. Can she just die already? <laughs> Seriously, death to Katniss. So they stop. No, they're not going to stop making movies even if she's dead. I have no idea what the books are like, but I I want this to end. It's going to, but like literally want it to end. <laughs> I wasn't going to watch the trailer because I don't care, but then I <laughs> was before Jurassic World, so I got stuck watching it. Uh, I mean, it's not for me. I that's all I can say. They're not. They're making it for an audience that doesn't care about the stuff I care about. So. You get- you're going to get us all a bunch of angry iTunes reviews now. <laughs> no, Josh, Josh right. is. No, I'll, I'll go even further. I love Jennifer Lawrence, and I think that she is bringing something to this series where there is much of nothing for me to grab onto. But in this specific trailer, her making a demonstrative speech, it doesn't work. It's... It's awkward. She doesn't have the the bombastic leadership sense. It sounds strange, her giving directions or rousing speeches to a crowd. That's because she plays such a smartass in real life and in all her other movies. It's hard to take her seriously. (laughs) To be fair, that's been a character trait of the Katniss character throughout the entire series, is that she's not a leader or a public speaker, so it's supposed to be kind of awkward for her. Okay. Okay. Just to be fair. But again, it's not for us, so don't give us bad reviews. <laughs> and if you hate The Hunger Games too, give us a good review. <laughs> Rock the cash bar. 
Fantastic trailer. Bill Murray just being Bill Murray. I can't wait to see this. It's the first time in a long time. I mean, this is like an old school Bill Murray movie, like Scrooge and Groundhog Day and the Ghostbusters. This isn't the Lost, in, which I love the Lost in Translation movies, but this is like old school Bill Murray. Yeah, I, I had a fun time with this trailer with uh, Zoe Deschanel being in it and uh, Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson. Gosh, I. I almost got like an almost famous vibe out of it. I know it's not even close to that, but the fact that it's a rock movie and those individuals are in it, I'm excited for it. And I had no idea about it until this week. I'm wondering how this could possibly fail, (laughs) but (laughs) Aloha did. (laughs) And that looked good. Yeah, it did. The man from Uncle. That's my, there's my review right there. That's my whole review. Uh, Henry Cavill still can't act. That's what I'm gets what I got from this trailer is that uh, I was willing after the first trailer, the teaser to kind of relax and let him try, but they put a little bit more of him in this trailer and yeah, he still can't act. He's still not very good. I thought he was fine. <laughs> yeah. The first trailer was better than this though. It, and it showed a specific style of the time of the sixties or whatnot that actually really worked in this trailer showing more of the film. I'm less inspired by it and I still can't pa- get past the fact that the Englishman is playing the American and the American is playing the Russian. It, th- what? I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, it, but they're basically just two hunky, pretty guys that, it's a Guy Ritchie movie, see. right? Right. So I mean, that's what I it know is. exactly what to expect with it, and I haven't liked any of his movies, so I'm probably not going to like this one. Regression. Ethan I've already Hawk. forgotten which one this Ethan is. Ethan Hawke, Emma Watson, <laughs> Alejandro Aminabar. Ah, uh, no, no thanks. <laughs> I, I I didn't have a problem with it. I just didn't feel like it's anything different than other than. It's him and then Ethan Hawke, and maybe it'll be better than some of the other movies that look just like this. Maybe it won't, but the looks, trailer didn't do a whole lot for me, other than the names in it. Yeah, it looks like something that's going straight down to man. I, Either I, it is or not, I don't know, but it right. feels like that. This is the guy that made The Others, right? Uh-huh. I really liked that movie That a is lot. a good movie. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, I guess. But In terms of a trailer trying to get us at least interested in the material. We don't exactly know what's going on. And I, I feel like at the end, when we find out what is going on, it might be worth it. But it does resemble a lot of other trailers for thrillers slash supernatural slash horror, whatever it is. A it better similar. trailer would have been them just scrolling the names involved and then moving on. Because <laughs> that would have made me more interested in the trailer itself. But uh, what do we got next week? More Jurassic World. <laughs> Inside Out comes out next week, so I'll, I'll kind of get on the board. Maybe maybe somebody will be Jurassic Worlded out. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to go see it again. <laughs> I can't wait for Inside Out. The trailers for that have been fantastic, and of course, it's Pixar. My kids have been talking about it for months. My wife keeps going, can we go see Inside Out this week? I'm like, it doesn't come out yet. <laughs> My daughter has been lately going, when's June 19th? When's June 19th? <laughs> That's good news. <laughs> I hope a lot of people are saying that. If you're listening to our show one or two weeks after the fact, feel free to still give us your list. We'll read them at the beginning of the show. You know, We'll do a previously on I Hate Critics <laughs> segment. So we just we want to hear your thoughts, if, what you thought of Jurassic World. If you see Inside Out before we record on Sunday, let us know what you think of that. Any movie you've seen this year, we'll, we want to hear what you have to say so we can get a discussion going because that's the most fun part of the podcast. And we mentioned it last week, we are recording a podcast live at 
Lebowski Fest on August 21st or 22nd that weekend. So, you know, we'd love to do a meetup with some of our listeners. If anybody's interested in going to Lebowski Fest up in Milwaukee, head to LebowskiFest.com. It'll eventually be on our website. Uh, don't ever go to Kickstarter again because they shot down our <laughs> buying uh, Big Trouble Little China Kickstarter <laughs> thing. So we'll, I watched that this week, too. Oh, we'll have to talk about it next week. <laughs> so we'll, we're going to try and go go, and if that doesn't work, go fund me, and if that doesn't work, maybe Patreon. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, that's our show this week. Visit us at IHateCritics.net. Rate and review us on iTunes, and see you next week. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone can have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. We're the best three friends that anybody could have. I mean the three best friends that anybody could have.